Okay, are we good to go? Are we ready? Are we ready to start? Uh... Yeah. Right. I know I am. Thanks. So you've got 15 seconds to make as much noise as you possibly want. Jack, I'm not going to do that. Uh-uh. That's just disgusting. Well, it's, you gave him fucking permission. Why would you? What? Jack, oh my god. Quick contradiction. You just build me up to tear me right down. How could somebody? That's what you do. All right. All right. Okay. We're starting. And welcome back to Podcast the Motion Picture. I'm your host, Jack Brainerd, here with my co-stars, Noah Lane. Hi. And Reed the Rock. Hi. Wow. Pretty, pretty tame today. Uh, we're going to start off with a little something that Noah wanted to do. Noah, take it away. All right. Well, this idea comes from longtime listener Sam T., who recently watched the film Uncut Gems. Great movie. I like it. I know Reed hasn't seen it yet. And it what? got me thinking, that movie has two performances that you really wouldn't expect. One is obviously Adam Sandler, who is great and awesome in that movie. The other is professional basketball player Kevin Garnett, who gives an actual, like, adequate performance. So, I thought you... what, what were you oh, going to say I, there, I, Jack? I thought you were going to say The weekend. No, The weekend's not very good in that movie. <laughs> I enjoyed the halftime show, though. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. So, our idea for the show's main topic today is performances that really surprised you. You were, you maybe knew this actor coming in for doing something else, and then you watched this movie, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't see that out of him." So, who wants to start? Uh, I can start because my list doesn't have a ton of value in it. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Just like it, just like you. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you get out of a? How do you leave this app? How do we get out of this? You can't. Just stuck. All right, okay, my number eight on this top eight list of actors whose performances came out of the left field, and it was awesome. Is that the proper title? Yes, that's exactly what I said. Okay, my number eight was uh, Rad Dourif in, uh, I know we don't do shows here, but the show Deadwood, uh, at one point, um, he breaks down crying, uh, thinking about the Civil War, and, and it comes very unexpected, and I'm not certain if the director said, okay, Brad, really try on this one, or Brad was just like, yeah, I was in the Civil War, so this isn't too difficult for me. I don't know. Hmm. Let's make a caveat that even though our podcast is called Podcast the Motion Picture, we're still allowed to talk about TV. Yeah, but I'm going to apologize. All right. It, it's, it's in our uh, bio that we do talk about oh, all right. everything. Oh, I'm in the wrong then, Jack. Thank you for pointing that out for the entire audience. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the facts straight. All right, Jack, who's someone on your list? All right. Like Reed, I have mine numbered at number eight. Now, this one may be unsurprising to you, but it was surprising to me because my only knowledge of him in film or <clears throat> on TV to this point was in Spider, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans and in the, uh, the what are they called? Farmers insurance commercials. Okay. And that would be J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. Yeah, baby. 
Yeah, uh, that man scares me. <laughs> I, go, to go from the guy in the the insurance commercials who's we just seen. dirty, and like in a in a suit, and he's like nice and talks with a little bit of a lift to fucking rip your head off, throw chairs across the room uh, in Whiplash. It's it's frightening. That's funny. I actually had him on my list originally, but just for those commercials. So it's a little awkward. Wow. He displays a lot He's... of range in those farmers insurance commercials. A lot of tragedy. A lot of yeah. tragedy. He's seen it. He has seen it. Seen it all. All right. I'll give you one of mine now. Okay. I will go with the professional wrestler Dave Bautista. In Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Wow. Now I kept when you Oh my keep going, my bad. Okay. In uh in this movie, Bautista plays an ex well, I guess current replicant who Ryan Gosling is sent to kill. And bear in mind this is like ten minutes into a two hour and forty minute movie. And Bautista is one of the most memorable parts of the whole movie. He plays this super subdued nuanced just depressed robot man and he brings a whole character to life and he's in like one scene and i did not know drats the destroyer had that in him and now when i like i know he's going to be in the new dune movie i actually think he's a great actor and i'm excited to see his future work so that's dave bautista You kept when you said that it was an actor from 2049. I kept thinking on who it was, but that was not who I expected it to be. Yeah, I yeah. stopped thinking about it when I heard Blade Runner 2049. But, uh, but uh, does does his tiny glasses also stand out to you in that movie? Absolutely. Like the proportion of glasses to face is like way too small. It's it's quite something. All right, well, I'll throw my number seven, and then if you're done talking about Dave Bautista, I am. Oh, okay. Don't sound so ex- don't sound so excited, Reed. I won't. Um, for my number seven, I have the legendary performance uh, from the film Ready or Not by Henry Journey. He just really everybody said it. They saw Reed. It. Could you repeat that? I think you dropped your microphone or something. Reed, you you need to either print your face back a little bit or like put your put your mic on a sturdy spot. It sounds like it's sliding. I oh, you just sounded a million times better. Right? Yeah. right. I will put it next to my face and I will drop. Stop trying to slide my phone. All right, my number seven <laughs> is Henry Zerny in Ready or Not. That is an incredible answer, and I'm sad I didn't think of it. Mm-hmm. There it is. That's the one. Uh, that's the one that I uh, said you probably wouldn't have put on the list, but would agree. I don't. I don't. Uh, I haven't seen that movie yet. Well, I don't think you've seen the film then, because wow, <laughs> everybody said he was all. He was just dried up. He was washed out. Whatever you want to call it. He was. He did the little spot on the West Wing. I think right, Noah. No, that was Shit's Creek. He was. In. He did the little spot on Shit's Creek, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, they were like, "Hey, man, would you mind coming in for Ready or Not?" And he was very into it. Yes, he was. All right, that's uh, my number seven. All righty then. My number seven. I don't know if any. I don't know if either of you have seen this movie, but it would be. Matthew Broderick in Glory. 
I have not seen that movie. Yeah, when I think of Matthew Broderick, I usually think, God, that guy sucks. So when he did go in that, I was surprised. <laughs> I don't think you mean that. I don't. <laughs> I don't, yeah. No, uh, he. it's kind of surprising because, you know, his must. He, first off, he does not, his mustache does not fit his face in that movie. But for the, for everything his performance as like a general leading in all black battalion of civil in the civil war it's it's like really good it's really emotional it's something you don't usually expect out of the guy who's usually only other role i think in the 90s that i remember okay no but in godzilla you know two very different people right i know him best as ferris bueller and from a guest role in modern family and both those performances are not serious at all. <laughs> yeah, no, not, it, it, it's definitely not Ferris Bueller leading that into the charge in the Civil War. But yeah, yeah, I well, definitely it, would have to say if I knew Matthew Broderick from anywhere, it would be um, the 2010s hit Tower Heist with Ben Stiller. <laughs> He's in that? <laughs> Everybody's favorite flick. Yeah, I never saw that. I remember it coming you, out, though. I think I remember seeing trailers for it and then kind of forgetting about it. That has to be one of the worst movie titles of all time. Tower Heist. Is that the one where they try to steal a gold? That's like if Ocean's Eleven was called like robbing a casino. Like, what's up with that? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that was my rant on the title of Tower Heist. Totally, totally relatable. I think that every time when I think about Tower Heist. All right. Next person on my list is The Office's Phyllis Smith in the voiceover role of Inside Out. Oh. Now, obviously, she's not really, like, stretching, but I just think it's a great move by Pixar to cast this, like, side character from a sitcom in a huge tentpole movie and she knocked it out of the park like sadness is funny she's sad one might say and it, it's a really excellent performance that I wouldn't have expected from Phyllis from the office yeah yeah well well that was that's quite a pull actually I wouldn't have thought of it but I, I definitely <laughs> agree with you yeah that remind that reminds me of like uh Shit, I'm forgetting her name. God damn it. Who plays who plays Mindy in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie? Scarlett Johansson. Thank thank you. Is she is she gonna be next on your list? No, she's not. I don't have her on my list. Kind of an underwhelming actress. Um all right, well, here goes my number six. Trite. Uh, my number six is uh uh O'Shea Jackson Jr. in uh, Straight Out of Compton. I uh it it seemed like the kind of role that could easily uh, go astray if you don't actually care. Um, I, it does help quite a bit that he uh, is actually named after the the character he plays, O'Shea Jackson. Um, I think it's like he's his kid. Yeah, there might be. I think there's some relationship in there somewhere. Um, but I, I don't. I, I hate to be wrong. Uh, but he absolutely uh, nails it and. Um, Every single line of it, it it might as well be Ice Cube because that's that's the kind of performance he gives. Jack, I'm sorry to cut in front of you, but I feel like I have to name one of the people on my list, and that is O'Shea Jackson okay. Jr. 
And before the show, I mentioned I cheated on one of mine, and it's because I wrote O'Shea Jackson Jr. in every movie he's ever been in. Because hmm. not not only was oh. he great in Straight Outta Compton, he's hilarious in Longshot. Yeah. He's in a movie called Just Mercy I watched with Michael B. Jordan, and he's, like, dramatic in that and really good. And what else did I see him in? He was in one other thing. I was like, what's if with this if, guy? If you've seen Kong Skull Island, he's in that. Yeah, so he had never acted before straight out of Compton, and he, like, bursts out of the gate, and he's excellent. Yeah, he is. So, yeah, I had him on my list as well. Well, good. I'm glad. Well, unfortunately, my number six can't be as much as relations to your guys' number sixes. But my number six is Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. Okay. Wasn't uh, uh, wasn't uh, wasn't he in NWA for a short period? Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure he popped in there just for a, for a few, you know, whatever. I'm currently taking a poetry class, and I actually wrote a poem about Bill Murray. Wow, it's because our class was on Groundhog's Day, and he was Groundhog Day, and he was the first person I thought of. So, yeah. do you know, do you know who hasn't seen Groundhog Day, Noah? Who? who? Reed. Oh, uh, yeah, you should check that out there, Reed. Yeah, uh, I'm a little bit upset that you'd think of Bill Murray before you think of me. <laughs> I'll write one for you, I guess. Thanks, man. Uh-huh. Oh, that's oh, what that's, you were bringing my way. That's sweet. No, but if I can continue talking about Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. Yes, please do. Uh, much like uh, in many movies, you know, it's good, uh, it's good to watch a movie when you, you don't see the actor as the actor, but you see them as the person they're playing. And Bill Murray is... It's one of those performances that you're watching. You're like, this this dude isn't Bill Murray. This is like some other old dude. Because in Boston Translation, he's playing a washed up actor. He's washed up. He's doing whiskey commercials in Japan. And it's just one of those performances you're watching. You're like, you're like wow, this is just kind of like, this is incredible. He's an entirely different character. It's, it's definitely a performance that deserves more love that got who directed that one sophia coppola so, oh well i might have to watch it then yeah yes i believe it's on prime right now still wow you got me sold jack i uh, i think i'll check that out that's Scarlett a great Johansson. answer it's a really great movie yes. all right um what number are we at number five yeah all right and noah you already went with your osha jackson jr yep okay Number five, uh, this one, um, I have to give credit to Noah for giving me this one. Uh, Seth Rogen in the film Steve Jobs. He plays Steve Wozniak, and uh, while I've never seen an image or uh, audio of Steve Wozniak, I imagine he's something Seth Rogen-esque. Yeah, kind of. He's old and has gray hair now. I don't know what he looks like in the 80s. That's totally Seth Rogen these days. Yeah. Well, that's that. Wow. Okay. Well, I forgot that he's. To be honest, I forgot that he's in. Not forgot, but he's only in Steve Jobs for like five minutes. Yeah, he's in Long Shot. Well, every scene he's in is awesome. The scene where he and Michael Fassbender are arguing about giving the Apple II team credit, 
and Wozniak like finally tells him off is maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie. I would have to disagree. I think the best scene in the movie is the when uh, Michael Fassbender and the former seat. Who is the board member? I want to say Teddy because that's his name in The Martian. I can't remember his name. You're talking about Jeff Daniels, though, right? Jeff Daniels. Yeah. And when when they're getting water and it it plays through that entire montage of the nights that he got kicked off the Apple board. We should that, do a podcast it, about how great Steve Jobs is at some point. It's so fucking good. <laughs> now, can, should I should I do my number five? Yeah. So Noah, you probably don't know who this actor is. I know but... everything about everything. <laughs> yeah, you do. So Tomi Saburo Wakayama from Lone Wolf and Cub is by far the most the best samurai actor you'll ever watch. Reed should know this man. When you think of the like a samurai, you think someone who's like jacked, super fit. This man is the opposite of that. But my God, the movies would be so much worse without him. Well, you were right. I don't know anything. Yeah, I was blown one. away just uh, that you that you remembered his name. <laughs> yeah, would you read? Would you agree that he does not fit the typical mold? For uh, he absolutely does wonders for uh, a community with a much different than what. Uh, Modern world would see it as an ideal body type. He he's a large individual. Uh, he moves around though exactly like how a samurai should. So he really does encapture samurai life. It's very, very good. All right. Did I'm sorry. Did we? Is it my turn? No, no. I think it's no. Oh, sorry. I thought we were back. I mean, not like it, Noah's number five probably won't even you know matter. But no, not compared to Lone Wolf. Yes. All right, I'll go ahead and give you an easier one for this. And that would be Mr. Harrison Ford in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Just because you hadn't seen Harrison Ford really try in a long time. And even when you knew he was coming back, you were like, I mean, you knew he was going to be awesome, I guess. But he he just re-entered Han Solo. (laughs) Re-entered Han Solo. And he was just terrific, like, even though he's an old man, he just felt like he was having a blast just running around on set. And you know what? I never thought I'd see that from Harrison Ford again. So wow. that's why I said Harrison Ford in the Force. I mean, if, he more of hobbled around set. And there, there wasn't a whole lot of speed to that dude at that point. That's true. No, I would definitely agree with that. And I would also go even further that surprisingly he tried once again in Rise of Skywalker. He, that's true. He oddly didn't give up, <laughs> yeah. even though it was a very odd thing to put uh, Han Solo through. Hmm. How much money do you think they offered for his five seconds on so screen? much, like I'm half sure. the budget? Yeah. <laughs> do you think he was? Do you think he was up hot boxing in his plane? He got his oh, FaceTime. I'm guessing FaceTime from. I'm guessing they said 100 percent of royalties, and then just uh, that's probably what did it. Okay. Uh, number four for me. Uh, this is a childhood actor, Jack. We just watched uh, the film last night. Uh, I was blown away at his performance. Um, 
uh, uh, five-year-old Jackie Coogan in the 1921 classic, The Kid. The Charlie Chaplin movie? That's the one. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, it works just as hard as Charlie Chaplin to uh, sell the father-son relationship that they, they, they build with one another. Um, he's always, he, he's very, for most of the film, Jackie Coogan is, as the young actor is kind of mirroring uh, Charlie Chaplin and it's just creating this, the parallel in there in in what the two of them are up to and doing. And, and uh, he is believably the son of Charlie Chaplin in that film. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a good movie. I, I would agree with that. <sighs> Sorry, I was taking a drink of water. If I would have known you guys were watching Charlie Chaplin movies, I would have made more of an effort to be there actually. Yeah. We don't want you here. Oh, okay, no, man. You no, know you would. It'd be more of an effort, you, you know, if you just lived here. <laughs> okay, Jack. I'm just. I'm just saying. Saying. Oh, you want a name? I got a name. You may know him as Walter White, uh, Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad. There's a good pick, sure. Because you know, again, before Breaking Bad. Brian Cranston was the guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Really? And by the by the end of Breaking Bad, he, he was he was Walter White, the scary. He was Heisenberg the from Breaking Bad. bad. From Breaking Bad, uh, I would agree in that. Uh, definitely, as a young child, at the point of Breaking Bad's uh, release. I the whole time thought there's no way people like that show. And then when I saw like five minutes of it at the age of like 11, I was like, oh, my God, you whoa. So, yeah, Jack, you're right. You know, I I still to this day, I've never seen an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. So I pretty much only know him as Heisenberg. But I know that a lot of people think that. So it's a good answer. Malcolm in the Middle was a weird show for me because it's not like I tried to watch it. It's just it'd be happened to be on at like late at night. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. Sure. We're watching this. That's kind of like George Lopez for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Lopez. I'll go ahead and give you another famous sitcom star for my next answer. Deborah. Deborah. That, that's my ram. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm picking Ray Romano from the film The Big Sick, which I've brought up many times only to be shrugged off immediately. But it's a great movie starring Silicon Valley's Kumail Nanjiani. It's kind of a dramedy, a lot of humor, but a lot of heart, too. Mm. And Ray Romano plays Kumail's girlfriend's dad. And he, he steals Is he that show. old? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he steals Fuck. the show. He has some of the funniest lines I've seen in a movie in the past five years that make me like actually cry, laugh. And he has some really nice moments of heart, too. So Mr. Ray Romano deserves a spot on this list. All right. That's that's very quite a nice poll. Oh, oh. Okay. Uh, for my number three, now I put them uh, as I, I don't... Before... The film Scream's debut, I don't think I know anything that he was in, unless if maybe uh, I'm not understanding release dates. Um, now, for the whole time, 
this actor uh, gave a great performance as his his character. He acted as his character should have, uh, but in the climax of the film, uh, he really goes all out. Uh, I'm talking number three, Matthew Lillard, incredible. Uh, it's a screen, baby. He just blows me away every time that I watch the film and uh, and to really attest to how great his performance is in that film, I can immediately turn on Scooby-Doo and see him as Shaggy. That's how much of a chameleon he is. I agree. And one thing that's nice is that Matthew Lillard has like this this Twitter following. Like he'll put out random tweets that get I, I may have mentioned this before, but they'll get like five hundred thousand likes. There's a <laughs> universal love of Matthew Lillard. What? It's, it's just very wholesome. <laughs> Matthew Lillard. He's going to yeah. bring us some world peace. Yeah. Damn. I'm impressed. My, my number three. I, it could be two mo- each of these movies, but uh, Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunsets or even Jim Carrey in The Truman Show. But in Eternal Sunset, Jim Carrey again sunshine, is one of those. Jack. Eternal Sunshine is it not Sunset? It's Sunshine. Jack, it's oh, Sunshine. Damn. Well, my bad, <laughs> listeners out there. I'm fucked up. But in Eternal Sunshine, you know, again, he's one of those comedians that like you don't expect him to be able to go super deep or super dramatic. But in in that movie, it's just it's a performance that probably should have won an Oscar, but sadly was i don't think it was even considered i don't think it was either um i would definitely agree with you um that film does two things for me it pushes my love for jim carrey in an entirely just a a direction i never would have fathomed i i didn't know he was capable of that and second of all it really proves he is a far better actor than jeff daniels ever was what a hack that guy is you're dealing with something you can't possibly control. Something upsetting you, <laughs> Noah? I do have what? a love for Jeff Daniels, but what? I'll I'll just ignore you said that part and agree with the first half of your statement. What is wait? What, else Jeff, what are you saying, Jack? What, what else is Jeff Daniels in? I've only ever, I think I've seen him in Dumb and Dumber. Uh. The Martian, the the newsroom, and then uh, Steve Jobs. Well, I mean that should be enough right there to tell you that he's equal to Jim Carrey. No, 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 no. The only performance that might be even commendable is in the newsroom. Are you out of your mind? He's excellent in every movie you just named. Also, did he's he? also in Speed, which is. A great performance as well. And Jack, didn't you also give him uh, a bit of credit in listing his scene from Steve Jobs as your favorite scene from Steve Jobs? Yeah, yeah but I like I like that scene not for the acting, but for the dialogue and how it, the entire scene plays out. Oh well, I like the acting. Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> you know what? I like it all. I like all of it. Um. Well, you know, uh, I, I guess, well, Noah, we can settle for uh, he is equal to or less than Jim Carrey. Oh, well, we'll Great. I'm glad later. that we're in agreement. Maybe we can come back another time. But 
Everybody agrees with me, so whatever. What's going on? Who's up now? All right, I am up. I will go ahead and give you another voiceover performance. Wow. And that is Jay Baruchel in the How to Train Your Dragon franchise. I, I, I mean, you wouldn't expect that this guy could carry a franchise, and he probably couldn't if it was live action, but it's not live action. And Hiccup is one of my favorite characters ever. He's likable. His relationship with the, the Toothless Dragon is excellent. And he's just got a distinct voice that, I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't do more voiceover work because he's he's made for it. And yeah, I basically only know him from Seth Rogen's friend and This is the End. And one other movie with T.J. Miller that I can't think of the name of right now. And you know him from Tropic in- Thunder. Yeah, I was going to say Tropic Thunder. And the, the kid in Tropic Thunder, that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the- he goes magician. ahead and he brings like hiccup to life, and he's a great, well-rounded, awesome character that I wouldn't expect <laughs> Jay Baruchel to have the capabilities of playing. I just want to know that movie happened. The Magician's Apprentice. I just want to say that Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's right. Sorcerer's yeah. Apprentice. Yeah, this not is just magician. supporting my Richard. point. It's fucking Nick, <laughs> Nicholas Cage and Jay Baruchel. What, yeah, what the fuck? It's, that one's a bit of an odd one, but I'm, I'm I glad. I think Alfred Molina's in that movie. Really? Yeah. There's like an evil sorcerer. I think it's Alfred Molina. Well, I'll look it up here. I may have to check that one out. Well, I'm quite glad that uh, this got brought up because um, uh, my number two is Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2. What an incredible performance. What? Yeah, I know. This is, what a connection. Whoa. I um, just checked, and it is in fact Alfred Molina in the Sorcerer's Apprentice. There he is. He's all over the place. Does he still got? Uh, does he still got the the legs for Doc Ock? No, that, that's all I can hear though. Yeah, he's got the hair. All right. Um, uh, uh, what his his performance is? What pulls apart Spider Man one and two for me? Not that uh, uh, Willem Dafoe was bad for any one second of Spider Man, but there's just. Uh, Alfred Molina really convinces me of uh, the, the tragic heartbreak he, he he's going through as the villain, not wanting to be the villain, but it's just he can't control himself anymore. And, and, and the whole battle uh, towards the end for him to, to overcome and once again try and help Peter Parker. Really, so I totally agree. Makes the movie that is already made. And that's my number two. Wow. Very nice. My number two, uh, shout outs to Sammy T, is Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Now, unlike some people in this group, actually, I think it's only one person. Yeah, I think it's only one individual, and he's not present at the moment. I personally enjoy Adam Sandler. I think he's a very, very, very smart businessman, and in his in his prime, a good comedian, uh, but a dramatic, a dramatic actor, unexpected and uncut gems. Who? For first off, he keeps up with that script and that pacing, and he fits just right in. He he plays that scumball of a character that you're like, "Fuck, I hate this dude," but goddamn, do I want him to succeed? And by the end of it, after the, all the events play out, you're like. You know what? I kind of, I kind of wish that had gone the other way. Yeah, I agree. It was actually yes. the reason why you even started this topic. Correct. 
I haven't seen it yet, so I disagree with that. But I would say uh, he is most definitely commendable for his role as Hubie Halloween in the uh, 2020 hit Hubie Halloween. Just, oh, my God. Incredible. (laughs) I think What's what's his other dramatic performance? Is that Punch Drunk Love? Yes, I've seen that. Paul Thomas Anderson. That one's, I think that one's a little too. He's great in it. I don't He's love really that good at, movie though. Yeah, I I think it's Paul. I think it's PTA's issues. I don't. I I think it's one of his weaker director's performances. And I don't think the writing is all there. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I need to give it another chance. But I didn't love that one. All right. Well, I'm down to two, so I'll pick this one. Luke Wilson in the Royal Tenenbaums. Now, before I had seen the Royal Tenenbaums, I'd seen Luke Wilson in Legally Blonde and Anchorman as the guy who gets his arms cut off. And I think that's it. Is, have you, is, he, in, is he in Idiocracy? I don't know. I haven't seen it. And hmm. here, here comes this movie by maybe my favorite director of all time, Wes Anderson. And in it is a character named Richie Tenenbaum, a former tennis player. So right off the bat, I'm like, yeah, this guy's cool. And then throughout the movie, there's a character arc of this weird Wes Anderson character being like depressed and in love with his adopted sister and like under a ton of pressure from his father and it's like a super layered, excellent performance that I did not expect from Luke Wilson. So yeah, that was one of the first names I thought of when we started making this list. I would for sure definitely agree. Uh, while watching that film myself for the first time and only time, uh, Luke Wilson's uh, uh, moment where he's looking in the mirror definitely yeah, absolutely grabbed my attention and I was glued for the rest of the movie. Not that yep. I wasn't already enjoying it. That scene in particular is really yeah. awesome. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I think Luke Wilson uh, is in that 70s show for a small bit. Really? I'm pretty sure. Could, is he really? Could be Casey Affleck. I, I get those two confused. Oddly enough, I would also somehow manage to get Randy Quaid mixed up in that mix of the brothers. Of their Randy family. Quaid? Randy Quaid. I can see the other two getting mixed up. I can't quite see Randy Quaid, though. Well, they're just, you know, they got the, the body and the looks and just really, they got talent. <laughs> right. I would I would like to point out that he is in Idiocracy. Also, he's in 310 to Yuma. Sure. I haven't seen either of those. Yeah, me Where? Um, Where? And as well as Scream 2. Yeah, he plays, uh... oh, my God. Billy. He plays Billy in the fake movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is an uh, awesome spot. Yeah. Speaking of uh, famous brother actors, remember uh, when Liam Hemsworth used to be alive? Yeah, he's in the Hunger Games movies. Yeah, and then he, he was like, it was like a race between him and Chris, and then he just, nah, I, I guess I'm losing. So Yeah, not only did Chris win, he won by like a million miles. Many, many, <laughs> many miles. All right. A lot. Okay, here goes my number one. Um, uh, my number one on this list is uh, out of nowhere performance in an out of nowhere movie. 
Jack, I don't know if you've seen it. Noah, I know that you don't like it. Uh, I'm talking about Nick Cage in the film Mandy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always had a genuine or general uh, interest in Nick Cage uh, in all of his movies. He's always, you know, got the whole over-the-top thing going, and, and it, I guess it works for him. Um, as as Abed Nadir would, would, would say, it's, uh, I'm a sexy cat. So it's kind of <laughs> it's difficult to explain. But in this film, Mandy... Uh, he he really puts I I don't I I can't say he puts in a specific emotion. It's it's like the director said, give it every bit of your energy and just feel it out, and that is what he does. Yeah, as you said, I'm not a fan of that movie, but he's definitely going for something. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have not seen that. I wanted to see it, uh, but I don't think I ever got the chance to. Reed and I rented it from Mr. Movies. Yeah, it, it, rest in peace. You know, I think about that you know, a lot, and that's probably the most tragic thing in the world that Mr. It, Movies closed. Like, yeah, I don't want to overstate anything, and I don't want to scare any family members. I think I would trade a family member to get that store back. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty quick. It's tough. It's tough. It, I gotta say, I you know, out of all those indie movies that came out that year. I did not expect to watch Guns of Campbell before I saw Mandy. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do. <laughs> that movie was not good. No. It was not good at all. Such a disappointment. How did Harry Potter come on? Just bring get give him something. Throw him a bone. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll move on to my number one. It's 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 kind of cheating, I guess. I would still call it a performance. He kind of went all out. For a Disney movie that you know you probably didn't need to go all out on. Although I know everyone grows up with their own niche Disney film, but I got I gotta commemorate Phil Collins and Tarzan. Just come on, come on, Phil. You haven't tried that hard with your own music in like fifteen years, and you come out and do that for Tarzan. I ah. mean. I'm not a Phil Collins fan, so I don't really care, but I know what you mean. Well, I just so happen to be a Phil Collins fan, Noah, and uh, Jack, you've hit the money here. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, 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 it's Tarzan. I mean, it's, I don't want to say Disney movies are forgettable, but Tarzan is one of the more forgettable Disney movies. I, I have actually not seen it, and I've seen many, many, many Disney movies. So. Well, let's just say this. It really cements Phil Collins' career. I'm not a huge Phil Collins fan. And even that is probably overstating it. Mm. You will after yeah. you uh, watch this movie. Uh, yeah, watch Tarzan. And I, know I, think, the, I know the songs. I think uh, Treasure Planet came out around the same year. Have you seen Treasure Planet? That's also another Disney movie that doesn't get enough credit for what it is. No. Do you like Lewis on the news? Don't take money. Hey, whoa, Don't whoa, 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 take whoa. fame. Copyright, man. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, come down. on. You sing that come good. <laughs> like, come on. right here with us. <laughs> okay. I'll go. <clears throat> Now, there's an actor that I've seen in exactly three movies. 
One. Wow, that's a lot. Is Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket. Two. Oh, God. Is The Godfather. All right. Oh, no. And three is Elf. Wow. Oh, God. And is Mr. James Caan, who gave the performance of a lifetime in Elf. (laughs) And it's just like... Why? <laughs> like, it's, it's awesome. But he has several scenes in that movie where he's like, he thinks he's in a Shakespearean tragedy. Like when Buddy interrupts his board meeting with Peter Dinklage and he's like, I want you out of my life now. It's like, oh my God, James Conn, you're not in The Godfather anymore. That is standout-ish to you, Noah? That yes. Performance? Yeah. I, I would give it, that's how actors should play all of their roles just... no honest to god when i think of elf i think of james Kahn before i think of will ferrell that's how much of an I, impact I he has on me in that movie i don't i don't think i can agree with that <laughs> I'm be... i i i guess i am finding myself in agreement but i blown away by shock <laughs> that this is a conversation because i mean i mean i i, I will agree i've only seen james james Kahn and three movies and those are the exact three but uh yeah i he i I, he'll just i think he'll just always be sunny from the godfather to me it's just yeah well it is too except for elf (laughs) like it's such a weird thing i guess he sells me on that he's elf's dad before i think of him as as sunny for a while so you know you have me you really have me by the cannoli here nice reference (laughs) Got him, got him good. What's oh, that God. Family Guy Godfather quote? That's really funny. I, I, I have no idea what. What are you? They're what all are you talking about. They're all like dying or something, and Peter's like, "I have to admit, oh, oh, oh. I didn't care for the Godfather. I, I did not care for the Godfather. <laughs> what? I did not care for the Godfather. Yeah." But it's the perfect movie. That's right. See, you knew what that I was is, talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that okay. Is, that's okay. awesome, awesome <laughs> line. I did not care for the Godfather because I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. If you, if you, you, I, I don't think you've ever liked a movie if you don't like the Godfather. Well, we don't want to discount anyone's opinion, but yeah, there's no reason dis- not to like I the Godfather. Noah, I am discounting their opinions if they don't like The Godfather. I will say that proudly. Your opinion does not matter if you say, I did not care for The Godfather. Go, go, get out of here. Uh, honestly, other than uh, saying I just don't like long run times, I can't think of anything, and that's that's not even super acceptable in that the runtime is perfect for The Godfather as every second is incredible. Yeah, but I to each their own. Our logo is based on the Godfather. Yeah, it it is, or it was at one point. But I got. I think uh, we have a new logo. Yeah, Spotify was being was kicking it out, so it's just it's. How long has it been since you looked at the logo? I don't. I didn't know we had a logo until now. Oh, okay, okay. No, uh. I've never seen The Godfather 2, but I've heard that one's also near perfect. Yes, but also excellent. If you say, if you say I do not care for The Godfather Part 3, there you go. I'll, I'll, you're, you have a valued opinion. Well, yeah, I'll you'd give be you in that. the majority. 
Yeah, but it, the first two are untouchable. Never seen the third one. I don't know if I will. I don't like long run times. Well, are we wrapping up, or should we talk about some some other movies, or what are we doing now? <laughs> wow, great segue. Uh, we could, we <laughs> well, could it's a talk. huge segue. Perfect segue. Oh, my God damn, I love it. Perfect. I mean, yeah, we could talk about what we've watched in the last week. I, wish, I mean, I wish Cho were here so we could talk about the race. Yeah. Right God damn. Noah, you don't. You, I'm just going to tell you right now if Cole comes up to you scratching his arm like a, uh, a man who is ha- have, suffering from a crack withdrawal, saying, Do you want, they want to watch a racer head? Just say no. But then say yes. Because it's the worst, best time you can have while watching a movie. Uh, I, I, I don't think we should get super into it because I really feel that Cole uh, would absolutely love to talk about it. Uh, but I do feel the need to say it was the most captivating uh, movie I've ever watched in which every frame of it I hated. It just was. <laughs> I, 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 shouldn't, I, I, I don't want anyone thinking that I hated the movie. I appreciate it. So much it was incredible, and I, I don't think I've seen another like it. It it was great, but in the search for greatness, David Lynch really pulled all the strings to upset the audience. Huh. I got, yeah, I got I to admit, it's like the first near, near, like near perfect movie that I hated watching because it very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable, but we'll save that for it. We'll save that for yeah, next we week. Yeah, we can get into that. Uh, I mean, the only other movies I've watched this last week have been The Kid and Hero. Classic film. So, both very... Uh, I have I... one I can talk in great detail about. I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of interest from the audience. Okay. But I'll I have one, too. Generate interest. No, you go first. They'll they'll quit before... before... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go. For the first time last night, I watched Christopher Nolan's Memento. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Um, everyone's right. It's really awesome. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, one thing I didn't know about it is Guy. Well, I knew Guy Pierce was in it, but he like he acts his ass off in that movie. Like he's terrific in Memento. Then you have a cipher from The Matrix. How can he be the one? If he's dead, he's really good in it. And then you have Trinity from The Matrix. Oh, I love you. She's really good in it too. And um, Where, I, that, are these the characters from The Matrix for you, Noah? Yes. Is that that's all I know them from before I saw Memento? I'm and it's kind of sure, weird that they're both in Memento. I'm pretty sure Cipher's in Bad Boys as their uh, police captain. Oh well, I'm not a not a huge fan of Will Smith films. Oh, so. When we get into those, I don't know what you're gonna do. Good one. So um, <laughs> I would explain Memento as like I don't know. It's hard to. I don't want to spoil anything, even though it's like 20 years old. Don't spoil have anything. You, have you guys seen it? No. <laughs> okay. It's it's like one of the only only Christopher Nolan's I have not watched. Yeah, it's. Like you can see the seeds of Tenet in it actually, which is really cool. Uh, That's cool. It's it's way better oh, than Tenet fucking, too, I think. It's, I was say, it's way more Tenet. exciting. There's it's smaller, which I think is to its benefit. That it's is, pretty low budget. 
I, yeah, it's really excellent, but I, I don't feel, I don't even want to say a single thing about the plot. So, all right. I watched it on IMDb TV for free. So mm. to all you listeners out there, go watch it. Wow. We just plugged the IMDb. Yeah. Uh, you kept that. Is it, are you, I'm sorry. I don't want to claim that you're done. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You kept that a lot shorter than what I am about to do to our audience with this film. Okay. Everybody, uh, keep it, uh, get, keep it short. I'm sorry. What Jack? please if i if it is the movie i think you're about to talk about uh it is and once you complain i'll have one question for you but we'll get to that everybody grab onto your seats get comfortable uh forget about grabbing onto your seats be comfortable go get a snack go get something to drink just sit down chillax get ready because here it comes i'm gonna break down for you in as quick a time as possible the 1955 film night of the hunter jack what do you have to say about that why couldn't it have been during the day? Is there really no way for me to get out of this podcast? I could find somebody and I could I could be entertaining somewhere else. My God. Um, all right. So uh, uh, this film came out in 1955. Uh, uh, during this time, a lot of movies were being made very rapidly. So if you miss one, just forget about it. Uh, you just you go see the next one. Um, it didn't, uh, it, in its initial release, didn't do super well. Uh, it uh, billed uh, the star Robert Mitchum. Um, uh, I, I should hope everybody uh, has an idea of who that is, or at least has, recognizes the name from somewhere. Um, I do know that name, but I don't know why I know him. I'm glad you asked. He's a Knight of the Hunter, uh, uh, the film that we're talking about. Um, so uh, in between all of his productions, he, he was doing a ton of movies, and the, the people above him, the, uh, his, his agent said, um, you know what? We're not even going to kind of advertise this movie. So he just kind of passed on. He, he went, he was in it and he, he had uh, the biggest role of, of it all. And um, just because of no good advertising and not a lot of people saw it. But then for flash forward in time a ways and it turns out to be kind of a classic and the, a very well written film that utilized uh, – uh, it, it was one of the first films to mix a bunch of genres together and to just create a, a, a mosh pit of, of so many different things in such a, a tight, uh, a tight singular film. It was a lot of things, and Incredible was every one of them. Uh, let me fill you in in some uh, fun stuff here. Uh, uh, I should speak about uh, Robert Mitchum. He plays a character uh, by the name of Harry, a false preacher of sorts uh, in that he is a preacher, but he is he is evil personified um, as uh, uh, my um, as a teacher uh, who uh, assigned the film to me. Uh, did I just Goldblum there by chance? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I felt like it. Um, <laughs> uh to quote uh, my professor, uh, he is a beast with a capital B. It was, for the first time in a very long time of watching movies, as I saw his character on screen, it was terrifying. I was completely sold in in the fact that uh, uh, him as the preacher, he, he is really trying to get in the, the trust of these two children who, who, he, who have money hidden away that he's trying to steal from them. And the whole time, they those two children are a, a catalyst for the viewer and any time that you see robert mitchum on screen uh after the first five minutes of him you, you've been warned and it's time to, to to get out while you can and so as you watch the kids get stuck and have to deal with him 
it is horrifying as all you want to do is genuinely look at the screen and tell them to get out of there. But of course it's a 1955 film, so they can't hear you yet. Um, uh, it's black and white. The lighting and sets just really build on uh, the, the fundamental theme of the film, which is entirely good versus evil. Uh, uh, the evil being the preacher, the good being a character I'm about to talk about in a second, but the lighting just, just accentuates everything between uh, making the preacher look as evil as he really is and making the, the, the lighter characters of the film uh, uh, shown in light when it, when it calls for it. It uh, really, really went all out. Now, this other character, is uh, her, her name was Miss, Mrs. Cooper, and uh, she doesn't show up till, till a, a ways in. And as soon as she gets in, it, it's already been an interesting film of watching uh, the preacher, the evil character, just, just haunt and torment these two kids. Uh, and, and keep in mind, this is 1955, so it, it, was a, it seemed odd to me that a 1955 film could take a preacher and turn him into the devil. It didn't, it didn't seem quite right, but I, I really it, – it was the right thing to do. Now, these two polar opposite characters, uh, uh, when they finally do meet and have their run-ins with each other – um, it is honestly like shining a light on a dark spot and the flashlight going out. It is breathtaking. The, the, the writing of these characters, they just know who they are and every line that they say means everything to their own characters. Uh, how I didn't manage to, to happen to see this film when I was younger shown by my dad. I don't know. It was, it was uh, quite ahead of its time for, for a lot of these thoughts and uh, the way that they, they just show this, this evil that gets in your head and, and it never stops no matter what you do in, in, in every way. Um, I, I have one other thing that I, I was going to throw in and now it's kind of, um, my gosh, I, I'm losing my last uh, bit of detail here that would for sure sell it. So, uh, so it was kind of my, um, the climax of my speech right here on this film. Um, well, now, Reed, I'm not going to watch it because of this one, one thing you're not going to tell me. God, it might come to me. Hold on. It's, it's really, it's, I swear to God, it's right on the tip of my brain. It's about to hit. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. The audience, I'm sure everybody was just like, wow, I, I definitely want to watch this. But, but it is really, really sneaking away from me. Oh, I know exactly what it is. Um, Moving forward, uh, we, we as a group, we all write our own stuff and, and we like to, to write scripts. Moving forward, I will never forget the character of the preacher. Um, he is everything that a villain should be. He is not, it's, it, he is in his own way complex as a complex evil working in all these different ways to be evil. But if you just stare at him, the only defining thing about him is evil, but Robert Mitchum defines evil in every second and every frame of this film. I, I, as I stare at him and I think to him and while he's just a guy in a preacher outfit, uh, talking down to kids, he, he had the same power as, as I felt watching Thanos in infinity war. Um, he was just as terrifying as Norman Bates um, in, in the last bit of uh, a Psycho. He absolutely uh, he he was to this film as James Caan was to Elf. He created the character, and he just blew away everyone, myself included.
And that's the film, The Night of the Hunter. Well, I honestly have never even heard of that movie. So, Yeah, I, I, I was looking it up on Letterboxd. Apparently, I, how much of in-depth did your teacher get, your professor get in on it? Uh, they say that the average human has a uh, attention span of eight seconds. My teacher had a lecture for 45 minutes, and I was glued to the laptop for every one of those seconds. So, What class okay, is because, this uh, This one is film and society huh. and how films kind of interacted with the society of the times and how they interact with societies now that watch the film. Cool. I figured out why I know Robert Mitchum. Why? Ooh, why? He narrates the film Tombstone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go. Wow. I think That's it actually... says right in the credits, narrated by Robert Mitchum. I think it's in the opening credits. No, uh, I was reading into Night of the Hunter as you were giving the the your opinion on it there. Uh, the director only directed, it was the only movie he ever directed. Yeah. Charles Lawton, apparently. According to this, it's uh, it, it was such it was so unreceived critically and by the audience that he never directed ever again. Which, yeah, I don't think that many people really care to watch it or to pursue pursue seeing it again. And also, I, I need to to clarify something here, Jack. None of that was opinion. That was all factual evidence. Even the parts where uh, I said I was blown away. That that factually happened. I put a hole in the wall in my room. I My back is still out of whack. That's how good it was. Robert Mitchum destroyed me. And I'd let him do it again. <laughs> Robert Mitchum destroyed you. 15 now. Oh, oh, oh. All right. Well, sounds like quite the feature. It, it is. It is that. Well, do we have any other movie? I mean, I could talk about Hero, but I don't, I don't really want to. I'm gonna be honest. Well, all right. I'm glad we're selling these films to the audience. We're really pushing these uh, these uh, VHS uh, copies that I got in the basement. There you are, going to buy these right up. All right. Yeah. So to sum up, actors are cool. Memento is cool, and Robert Mitchum is cool. Cool. Bold words, Noah bold words well thank you all for listening to podcast the motion picture you can find us on instagram twitter make sure to check out our youtube channel mini movies that is m-i-n-n-e movies you can spell the last fucking word that's it our instagram name is motion picture the podcast all one word my instagram name is read the rock you're welcome my Instagram name is you don't need to know my Instagram account. Erase all photos of Ron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's all I have all right. to say. <laughs>